um, there was a trot guy there selling newspapers, interviewing, you know, striking workers and stuff, doing like hustle and grinding, you know, sure. for the socialist cause. Uh, and he was pretty cool. He was pretty cool to talk to. I mean, he seemed a little bummed that I didn't want to buy any papers from him. <laughs> but uh, I almost did. And then um, somebody nudged me and they're like, you don't want to be on that mailing list. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right, here, let me, let me run in. I need to grab uh, jewel sure. pods and a glass of water before we get started. Definitely. Because, yeah, like I was reading the their article about this, and the whole thing is just like a hit job on the UMWA. And their critiques, I'm like, this sounds like these might have some grounding in the truth, but I'm like, this is like such aggressive language like basically calling the umwa like a fake union that like only exists to support the parasitic labor aristocracy that is like employed by the union i'm like look i just did a whole hour and a half episode on the afl cia so i i get that there's a lot of like corruption and like labor aristocracy problems in in u.s labor but a I think it's a bit extreme <laughs> to basically completely write off the UMWA uh, as like a, a, a completely captured, like boss friendly organization, even if it is full mm -hmm. of corruption issues. Yeah. Like I, I think we literally partially, we partially covered it in the, the, when the workers were like, we, we don't want that. Or am I, am I thinking of the same one when the workers like recalled the bargaining unit? No, that, that was um. That's you. That's. I think that's UAW. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think that was United Auto Workers. That's Volvo. Okay. It, oh, and that's right, right. in Virginia, I think. Okay. Um, Dublin, baby. <laughs> yeah, but, but hey, that, I got my shillelagh and my cream butter. <laughs> yeah. So like, I didn't even bother to pull anything from that article from them into this, even because I'm like. There's information that if I felt I could like really trust that this is right and this is what the rank and file in the UMWA are actually feeling, that I would love to report on this. But because of like how ridiculously aggressive it is without really citing much of anything, I'm like, I don't, I can't. Yeah, rely. this union really has become this. a Stalinist organization <laughs> well, engaged were, in revisionism. They're yeah. close. <laughs> That's the type of stuff they were saying. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. those are those are the trot talking points. Like, I don't want to talk too much shit on trots. Like we've said, sure. many yeah, yeah. they do good work, and some of them are great reporters and shit. Their newspapers yeah. aren't really all bad. Like, they're good. I read but, Left Voice. That's a trot paper. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of moments where they just go unnecessarily out of their way. Like, it feels like a Washington Post article sometimes that's yeah. like, and the Republicans have gone <laughs> and done this. And it's like, well, you don't think the Democrats are complicit in that, too? And then I see the trots do that, and they're like, these Leninists stalinist or union organizations it, and i'm like are this, you really bitching that this like that this uh the, this union is being the wrong kind of communist in your <laughs> weird little like journalistic analogy well, <laughs> like, and, well i i have been in this this facebook group uh, anarchist library and they're they're full of reactionaries uh sure. basically that that like call everything like stalinist or or things like that and and then they they cite all of these these problems. They're like, oh, this was a problem. It's like literally like Trotsky shit. 
Like they they yeah. they, they, they they hate Trotsky, but they call it Stalinist. And- <laughs> they'll, they'll cherry pick. Yeah, well, they'll cherry pick like Trotsky's uh, uh, condemnations of Stalin, and they'll be like, "I agree with these," but also fuck Trotsky because he was unnecessarily a dick to anarchists. And I'm like, actually, that second part that you said is way more important. Then the first part, like Lenin repeatedly tried to rein Trotsky in and mm-hmm. get him to stop antagonizing the anarchists so much. And he was like, no, fuck you. I'm an asshole and I'm proud of it. Like, <laughs> well, that that's the thing. It's like, I, I'm like, look, well, at least I will say that the trots are continuing in the spirit of being completely ridiculous and unreasonable at all times. <laughs> because yeah, like, yeah. That was his whole thing with like, we have to keep fighting the war in Poland, even though the Polish people clearly do not want us to do that. And this is just pushing them into the arms of the Polish fascists. Right. Yep. He's like, no, we have to keep doing this. We can fight forever. <laughs> it's like, all right, man. <laughs> he just loved to fight. Is- I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like I'll talk shit on Trotsky all day, but he was like a brilliant tactician. Like, he wasn't good at knowing what needed to be done in war, but he was good at getting it done. That's and, my, you know, that's my only quibble with people is because people will, like, because people sometimes use the word tech, like, tactician and strategist interchangeably. I'm like, those are very right. different things. I'm like, right. I, I will, I will give Trotsky this as a, like, on the battlefield, like, tactician from what I've, like, read about the actual battles he was in charge of. He was quite good at that. Um, yes. But, like, Picking which battles to fight? Terrible. No. <laughs> Terrible at it. <laughs> Terrible at it. I mean, like, say what you will about like who was right or wrong in any given situation, sure. but he didn't need to go that hard against the Ukrainian anarchists, and he didn't no. need to go that hard against the sailors at Kronstadt, and he didn't need to go like every single time, even if you think he was doing the right thing, you have to admit he overdid it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't disagree with suppressing the Kronstadt mutiny, but I do disagree with the way in which it was done. It was exactly. done far, far more violently than it should have been. like that 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 only served to discredit the Bolsheviks in the in the eyes of a lot of people so you know a mistake on multiple levels yeah yeah a bad pr move in addition to being like you know uh unnecessarily a, a, violent unnecessarily violent and like a callous uh yeah. negligence of the value of human life etc um but yeah hey welcome everybody to work stoppage the only podcast that talks exclusively about the right and wrong doings of old dead guys from the russian revolution Uh, (laughs) that's our bread and butter that's the main thing we talk about so buckle up fuckos it's time to litigate kronstadt yet again uh Uh, yeah i i knew we were oh i'm not actually recording I, okay. <laughs> I only turned on my recording when you started doing podcast voice. Started doing podcast voice. <laughs> right. well, oh, everybody, everybody's yeah. gonna be like, "John, your intro. What a weird cold open. What a weird way to just <laughs> jump into the show." Pull it. Craig's pull it from been on Craig, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll pull it from Craig. What, you know, I'll get it, it from the list wait. that he makes every month. What the hell? Uh-oh. Uh, oh, wrong input. There we go. That's the waveform. That's the waveform. And if you want to hear more waveforms from this insanely (laughs) brilliant 
historical materialist podcast. Uh, we are entirely listener supported. So if you threw us a few bucks on Patreon, thank you so much. We have some really exciting content coming out for you. Uh, Dan just recorded another overtime episode, and I promise other hosts will be recording overtime episodes soon as well. Um, if you're not in the Discord already, please get in there. That's where we can keep you updated on all the goings on, and you can see the memes from the review. And if you want to, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we we hope it helps. Uh, it might. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean on the on the Patreon note, like John or John, uh, Dan just did the AFL CIA episode. That shit fucking yep. rips. Honestly like should you should get some labor history under your belt that's that's good stuff yeah yeah we love the cia folks this podcast <laughs> uh we're just into it anytime they do a bad thing we're like that rocked um <laughs> incredible frankly <laughs> and now we're gonna hand it over to howard stern uh, that's no, right uh, folks <laughs> this is the george meanie appreciation podcast now that's right <laughs> It's oh really interesting, gosh. man, but have you ever tried DMT? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, so my episode is going to be on the on No Shortcuts, and I, I'm actually, I think it's going to end up being two episodes, but I'm real, I nice. really want to, like, go deeper in it, because, like, the book that I'm reading does not have crossover with the, the names that I heard from Dan's podcast, but I bet somewhere there's some fucking crossover in, in like, the uh, the people who had basically, like, gutted the unions and kicked all the communists out of there's it's really gonna be a, it's a very interesting story hell but, yeah six um, degrees of mccarthy <laughs> yeah pretty much exactly exactly <laughs> yeah but uh i guess speaking of interesting stories let's start with our first one uh striking umwa miners at warrior met were attacked by by vehicles there these are striking mine workers uh, and because of the way that a lot of people, politicians, have been trying to make it legal to run over protesters with vehicles because they're very sad about how effective it is to block roads, uh, mm-hmm. they've basically given uh, reactionaries impunity to murder people. Um, and and it literally uh, happened. I mean, nobody, nobody died, but they were hospitalized. People were hurt. Um but yeah, yeah, right. yeah. There was a video released by the United Mine Workers of America showing two of the three different attacks on its picketing union members by people driving large trucks, and the union says that these assaults were carried out quote by persons working for Warrior Met Coal Incorporated, and you know, I I don't know if that's true right off the bat, but I'm gonna believe it because like why would the union have any reason to fucking say that unless they thought it to be true. Um, right, because and that's like a incredibly despicable. Y- yeah, because because they mention in here because we we've talked about the the warrior met coal strike a couple times. It's been mm-hmm. going on for for a few months now, um, and the warrior met has been bringing in scabs to keep the the mine running during uh, the strike, and so the UMWA suspects that it's either you know a dir- like a a direct warrior met employee like working for the bosses as you know the standard sort of goon squad stuff you expect from this sort of thing or sure. actually um some of the the scab workers you know acting on you know either impetus or you know pushing from uh the company and they have a quote here from like a, a pretty pretty long statement actually from from the umwa uh, president cecil roberts um who has said that um 
Warrior Map personnel, either management or non-union workers, have repeatedly struck our members who are engaging in legal picket line activities with their vehicles. We have members in CAS. We have members in the hospital. We have members who are concerned about their families and potential violence against them if they come to the picket line. And like yeah. when you when you look at like the video, because there's a video in the this is an article from Jalopnik, but there's a bunch of places that um, reported on it. Like this isn't. This wouldn't be acceptable if it was this, but it's not what you sometimes see with this where like there's a car that's stopped and a bunch of people start mobbing the car. And because this is how they always, you know, write it off as acceptable. They say, oh, uh, my car, my vehicle was attacked and I, I fled fearing for my life. Again, you're in a car. You can just sit there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's never a justification for using your gigantic steel cage to, you know, run people over unless they're Nazis, but like in this case, like if, when you actually watch this video, uh, these people are just fucking ramming into the picket lines. They, there's, there's no, the, the people that are committing these are not being blocked from, you know, leaving or, uh, like they're, they're not being, uh, you know, hurt or threatened in any way. And they're just, you know, ramming their fucking cars into the people on these picket lines. And meanwhile, uh, when the po- local police have been contacted by various, uh, you know, news outlets about like, hey, uh, what about this this whole thing where people are doing car attacks on on these striking miners? And the the Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Office uh, told uh, some reporters from AL.com when they were contacted that they had no reports of attacks on the strikers. Just, oh, no, we don't, yeah. we don't know what you're talking about. Well, and like you watch the video and it's quite obvious that like this is a it's like you said, this is not one of those situations where they're even trying to be like, oh, I was in my car and my car got mobbed. Like there's a line of striking workers in front of the facility and a car goes out of its way, making a wide you know, 90 degree left turn to try and strike them. A, a truck, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bald on its face what these you know attacks are supposed to be it's like hey you know stop fucking striking for your rights and get back in the you know in the facility and accept the 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 package that we want to give you and and and, uh and like you were saying before lena about like um the way that states have been encouraging this because that's and that's what we've been saying like everybody you know who on the vaguely on the left who right. has been talking about it it's like the, these bills are proposed as as they're put forward as if they are to protect drivers they're to you know uh deal with an uptick in civil unrest but their entire purpose like yes obviously there's the there's the the direct result of of giving cover to people you know attempting to murder people with their cars but the ultimate goal is to suppress protest, to to suppress dissent, and 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 suppress actions like this, of of workers and and just you know the regular people getting together to utilize the power of their numbers, and, and so that's what exactly what the, these sorts of of laws are are trying to to do, and that's why I really liked the the last part of of Robert's statement, where he said. Quote, I call on Warrior Met to back away from violence and finally come to the bargaining table in good faith, ready to hammer out a fair and reasonable agreement. But if Warrior Met decides to continue inspiring violence on the picket lines, their leadership should understand that UMWA workers have been subjected to company violence for 131 years and will not be deterred from seeking a fair contract for them and their families. We are still here and we will remain here long after those leaders have gone. Woo! 
Yeah. That's the energy you want to see right there. And it, yeah. and also, you know, saying without saying that, like, if you continue to escalate violence, like... Violence uh, will you know, escalate. When he says, like, <laughs> yeah, when he's like, we've been here. We will continue to be here. That's like saying, like, you know, we... We'll retaliate, but of course you can't say right. we'll retaliate. So it was a very, very cleverly worded statement on the on behalf of Cecil Entertainment Roberts here. I assume well, middle initial E always stands for entertainment. <laughs> 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 That's right. Yeah, I, I, I just like I think that it's really uh, important to to realize that like sure these are this is happening in cons- in so called conservative states, but that's not even really the case. There are plenty of places where these sorts of legislations are being pushed through and being backed by the the right wing Democratic Party, and sure. and like there's the anyone that you thought was gonna try to protect you and and the whole point of this is to allow the violence to actually when they when the quote is in there that people are scared their families are scared that the, it's dangerous to go onto the picket line that is purposeful it's it's intended to be scary to go out there on the picket line and i mean i think that i mean if that's really the way that we're gonna go then there's gonna be some uh community defense that's gonna need to be yeah. enacted yeah, I, I yeah. think that um, I know that obvi- obviously, like, there's all sorts of shitty draconian laws about what you can and can't do on a picket line. But I think that, you know, these workers aren't idiots. Like, these car attacks have been tried on protests all th- since last year. And right. so there have been organic strategies to deal with that developed you know by movements i mean you see that with you know uh, protests in in portland and seattle using moving vehicles as part of their barricades to to block off people from you know being a vulnerable to car attacks we've seen in places where it is legal and following all regulations both local state and federal people who have you know done armed community defense um mm-hmm. but that's the thing it's like the 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 key here is to not allow this sort of violence to have the effect that it's meant to, which is the chilling effect on strikes and protests. And Repression. so the, like getting this level of fervent pushback from, you know, the top levels, which is not always the most radical, uh, as we've seen in, in, in American unions. That, but is, so a, to, that to, is an understatement, Dan. <laughs> this is one, yeah. That is understatement of the century. And the, and the people at the top, they are not left wing. yeah so i mean so it's good it's it's very encouraging to to see that sort of pushback from from that level because if 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 that's where the leadership is even if some of it's you know rhetorical bluster like these are coal miners like when you look at like u.s resistance from labor you know to against violence from the bosses it's the coal miner example that you look to it's like i Mm -hmm. these folks are not just gonna sit there and let this shit keep happening and 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 i encourage them to uh to make sure that everybody stays safe out there on the picket line that's right yeah i mean these these unions uh these coal unions and these people who live and work in coal country like they don't have the same short memory about like you know corporate violence that the rest of the country has like it's a it's like a living you know part of their history uh all across appalachia all across you know anywhere where fucking coal is mined it's, you know steel is refined um like you know people remember 
uh, Blair Mountain. People remember the Homestead Works strike. People remember, you know, all of that Mate different Wan. shit. Yeah, Matawan, except Matewan. I'm never I sure don't, how to I pronounce it. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, fuck. Yeah, I'm not sure. But <laughs> I'm speaking losing all of, of my left-wing cred. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh, uh, worker demands in Appalachia, we're going to also follow up on striking Allegheny Technology Incorporated workers who we reported on uh, striking over healthcare demands. I think this was months ago, right? Like, yep. This had to be like three or four months ago by now they, when we yeah, talked they, about this. They've been on strike now for just under three months. Um, okay. And and this is across uh, nine different um, ATI plants across multiple states um, mm-hmm. with, uh, with these, these uh, United Steelworkers members and this this is uh strike has been dragging on as you know at ati like any any company in these negotiations is going to do is you know, of course pleading poverty and how you know they, they they can't possibly afford to just meet the workers demands uh, meanwhile the, the the workers have pointed out that the company has almost a billion dollars in liquidity um and more than a half a billion just in like cash on hand right um i also thought one of the statistics that was interesting and the way it was phrased i thought could have the compensation for three different top executives is close to 39 million dollars which 17 million of that is bonuses Right, like which um, they they grant from, to themselves because they're at right. the top of the company. Yeah, and and these these bonuses are because you have been suppressing the workers well enough. You have been stealing their surplus value every day to the point where you, this asshole at the top, gets an extra seventeen million dollars. Yeah, bonuses are not handed out. You know, not even to yourself when things are going bad. Bonuses are handed out when the company can support handing out that extra money, you know, whether that's from some capitalist rationale at the top or something more egalitarian, like that's when bonuses are granted. So you don't get to give yourself $17 million in bonuses. And these are three different top executives doing this, $22 million in salaries and $17 million in bonuses per executive. They're granting themselves this and then they're pleading poverty at the negotiating table. It's, you know, it wouldn't pass muster in any even remotely fair system but because it's labor negotiations in the united states uh they get to plead poverty and you know uh uh observing parties are expected to take them seriously right and and which is why like i think it's good really good that like the 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 union members are pointing this stuff out as right. as you know part of the 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 strike and and pointing out you know contrasting that with the fact that the average hourly rate for production workers in these facilities is only like, you know, mid to low 20s per hour. Um, And that the fact, the other thing that they mentioned here that is really bizarre, I mean, maybe this is a a, a standard practice in this sort of thing, but I don't know, came off as as rather odd. The, uh, The flexibility with which the company is allowed to hire non-union labor in their existing contract is ridiculous because they point out that presently all the company has to do to contract out with, you know, non-union workforce is notify the union and engage in a discussion. They don't even have to get the union's agreement. And even if they don't talk to the union about it, the only punishment is the company pays a penalty to a local charity. 
which is local charity, which is actually incentive for them to not engage with the workers because then they can write that off. They're gonna they want to, to write off they on their, their taxes money back anyway. Yep. Yeah, there's no there are no consequences. Well, so what we just and, described and, was zero consequences for yeah. being anti-union. Well, and just a sidebar about charities. This doesn't even this isn't even specific to a labor discussion, but just a little a side note about charities. Like the concept of charity, like doing going out and doing charity to help people who need it is great. It's fantastic. But in the United States, if an institution is a quote unquote charity, ninety nine percent chance it's garbage. It's not even worth fucking giving money to under any circumstances. Least of all, as a punishment for not treating your workers well enough or hiring in scabs without consulting them first. What a fucking ridiculous thing. Like if the union, if the company hires new employees without consulting the union, they should pay that fine to the union or better yet directly to the union membership. Like if if they hire somebody who is not from your union without consulting you, like one, they sh- you should be able to sue them for an incredible right. amount of money but two they should also instantly have to give every worker like a ten thousand dollar bonus yeah well and i mean yeah put it right into the strike fund or or or, or whatever but yeah strike fund whatever yeah or or if there was some sort of quote lo- local outside group that they're required to give it directly to the most communist group so that they're so that they so that they do <laughs> yeah. they're like no actually i do want to give it to the workers yeah but no no they're gonna give it to this local 501c3 that they definitely don't have any power over despite it being a small local charity and them being the biggest industry in the region so yeah. if, you know the there's also like the, that power imbalance where the ceos the husband or wife is the head of the board of the of the charity or whatever you know that shit <laughs> happens all the time too like that's common practice we got to make it like a swear jar but for the company where every time they do something <laughs> anti-labor they have to donate ten thousand dollars to the local anarchist collective yeah. I mean, they, they should just have to, like, if you fuck up, like, you're fine as a company. Your fine should be that you have to cede X amount of ownership of the company directly yeah, to the right. workforce. Like, the, the union gets another 5% ownership stake. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but so, like, w- what um, folks are focusing on now during the negotiations um, with ATI is ATI has been pushing really hard to try and force um, the union to accept uh, higher health care costs. Um, right. And, and they mention in here that the company uh, currently and this part right here to me is like all the advertisement for why unions are important. You should ever need, which is that currently for these workers, the um, company pays the entire health insurance premium, uh, which the workers staved off attacks on um, during a, a previous lockout several years ago. Right. Um, and all the workers have to pay is a deductible of 10%, but up to just $300 for an individual, $600 for a family. And then, you know, there's some out of network increases. Like when I worked like as a fucking contractor in the imperialism industry, my healthcare was nowhere near that good. So like you need a fucking union. (laughs) Right. Because that when they tell you, like they're trying to in these negotiations that go, oh, we, we, this just too expensive. The company couldn't possibly bear all these healthcare co- bullshit. <laughs> like yep. they can bear every single dollar of that cost, but they will wring every cent out of you that they can get you to concede. And what's been great here from the USW workers is that ATI is now trying to, you know, force the workers to accept 
um, an increase in their deductibles and force the workers to pay a, a certain percentage of the premium. Uh, additionally, this is something we've also mentioned in other strikes, they're trying to create a two-tier system right. to divide the workers between new hires who now have to, would have to pay more than you know, people with more seniority, which, as we've seen, then down the line only you know, serves to you know, drive divisions in the workforce. It, just, it serves a bunch of purposes to help out the business. But the, the ATI workers have just said, no, 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 fuck that. Uh, and they have a the quote here from uh, a worker, uh, John Camarau, uh, who said, I'm proud of my fellow brothers and sisters on the line. He, uh, this, uh, he's the grievance chair for uh, USW Local 1357. Hell yeah. Members are in a great hardship right now, entering the third month of the strike. But what we're fighting for is not only for our future, but for the future of new hires and our retirees' benefits. Their demands are meant to divide us, but instead they've united us, and our resolve is to see this to the end. That's yeah. some good shit right there. Because like, that's, that's the other main thing that's like really important to fight against is whenever the company tries to start dividing up the workforce into, like, these are the established union members. Aren't you glad that we care about you so much? And these are the new hires. They have to pay twice as much in their premiums than you do. It's mm-hmm. like that's a tactic to make the new hires resent the union and make exactly. the union members feel superior to the other workers. And yeah. that kind of division is so easy for them to, mono- or to uh, opportunize on. Yeah, yeah that's exactly exactly the point that I was about to make is like the the thing about it about um making the environment good for new workers is so important because yes. like when I start a new job I would really like it if the job was good already and if it was good already because the union was strong I am going to be more supportive of that union I mean it's not right, it's well, not a huge calculation there, there's not no, any it, sort of wild uh you know uh, calculus that needs to be done to to understand that. Well, and the company's trying to play off of this like weird, perverse American economic logic, where it's like, oh, if these established union members uh, or established employees or whatever are making more, they they you know they're gonna feel like they deserve it, and like that's fair to them, and everything's gonna be balanced out. You know, it's a meritocracy, and being here for X amount of time is part of the merit, and all of that fucking bullshit. But like, what really happens is if you give the incoming employees like the same treatment as the people who've been there for a long, like maybe they don't have the same raises that they already earned or whatever but you 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 get them in really good right away everybody feels like they're in it together people be like hey you got your got your pay got your health care package yeah it's pretty good huh not exactly the cadillac but it's like a lincoln of health care right and then like you're part (laughs) of the fucking family and that's terrifying to the boss that the employees would feel like a family right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but they they tell you that you are already no, right. no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, of course. But that's another perversion of the same like narrative, right? They're like, you know, in a family, the dad makes all the rules, and it's like, you know, maybe we're a family, but we're all adults. <laughs> like we have full time <laughs> jobs. Like that's it, it's not like being in a house where I have to be like, yes, dad, yes, mom. It's like, fuck <laughs> you, buddy, make me do it. Like, <laughs> pay me. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like. It, I, I'm just glad too that the like because you could see like from the the sentiments from the workers like they understand exactly what ATI is trying to do here, and, and the fact that they're not having any of it is good. And our next story kind of hammers home the importance of making sure that you know you have as good a healthcare benefits as you can possibly have, right. because uh, once again uh, the most progressive president in U.S. history is at it again, folks. Woo! <laughs> He's Richard done. Nixon. <laughs> nothing right <laughs> yeah so, so 
Joe Biden out here delivering on another one of his promises to in you know nothing will fundamentally change exactly uh this is a story from uh from payday report who just shout outs to them they they do fantastic labor reporting i use them all the time um but they they're they're pointing out that uh biden campaigned like you know as as part of his old you know electoral platform was we're gonna if, if you elect me i'm gonna put in uh safety guidelines for with OSHA so that you know companies actually have set rules they have to follow to make sure that their workers are safe during a pandemic which you would think oh, that's the least <laughs> any right. functioning society would do during a pandemic and so he has folks he has he is he has answered that uh promise by uh, actually going through and OSHA has issued new regulations for workers only in the healthcare industry and nowhere else Ah, lovely. Yeah, I mean, because they have to at least give a nod to one type of workers, the 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 great heroes that we clap for, and 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 then to literally leave everyone else by the wayside. And I mean, I I don't think that there's really any sort of um, good analysis. (laughs) Like, sure, healthcare workers should be should have protections. But when other workers don't have protections, you know what happens? Healthcare workers get overwhelmed with sick people. Yeah, yeah. well, and it's just like it's this is such typical Democrat shit. Like, if you needed to draw a caricature of Democrat policy, like this is it. Like the the populace is like, uh, dear Mister Democrat President Sir, we need you to categorically do something. And he's like, categorically do something, huh? You didn't say how big the category had to be, and then they just never. <laughs> it down until it's basically nothing uh and it's it's something like it's it's an empty gesture that like you said lena is outweighed by like the total lack of action on other fronts like this doesn't help healthcare workers unless you do it for everyone right. you know so yeah. uh and yeah like, it's 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 typical democrat fucking intentional bumbling you know mr magoo like whoopsie fucko i don't know how to govern like yes you fucking do don't fucking lie to us wh- and, and I mean, it, it doesn't it also never helps when we get, you know, the media stories about this come out and they, they say, you know, Biden enforces, you know, new pandemic regulations. And you actually have to, you know, dig into the article to see that, oh, wait, it's only on healthcare workers and right. not on everyone else. But then this will still be something that will be like a Republican talking point And all of the like, you know, I just moved back to a more rural slash suburban area than I was living in before. And uh, I'm sure that I'm going to hear some fucking old conservative be like, can you believe that Biden's forcing the nurses to wear masks? It's <laughs> unconscionable. Yeah. And then like the whole discussion is just like way off in outer fucking space relevant to the actual material issues at hand. Yeah, and uh, there, this article in, in Payday Report has a couple of quotes, even from former Obama officials mm-hmm. decrying this. They, they had a, a quote in here from Jordan Barab, who was a, the deputy assistant secretary of OSHA, who said, I think it's been a betrayal of workers and worker safety. Mm-hmm. And, and Congressman Bobby Scott from, from Virginia, who's, who's uh, chairman of the House Committee on Education and Labor, said, quote, with vaccination rates for black and brown people lagging far behind the overall population, the lack of a comprehensive workplace safety standard and the rapid reopening of the economy is a dangerous combination. And yeah. I mean, we've how many stories have we done about, yeah, you know, where's the protection like, for the fucking Seneca farm workers? Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, like agricultural workers, fucking people uh, working people in at grocery poultry stores. processing plants yeah. uh, who are disproportionately immigrant workers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could talk over each other and list a million different things <laughs> yeah. and never yeah. hit the yeah. same yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's completely fucked. And 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 I I, I like that they the this guy this, a Democratic congressman. I'm sure not particularly you know left is has said that. The whole theme of the the Biden administration regarding COVID is that things are getting better. Things are getting better quickly. The more the messaging turned optimistic, the more the message was that we're pulling our way out of this. The harder it became then to actually issue a standard, and and, and that's definitely the same like as Trump. Part that's the same thing Trump was doing. Was just saying it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine soon. It's it's literally the exact same thing. The greatest the COVID recovery years. in all history or some shit. Yeah, what the, we're going to build back better is literally just make America great again in a blue background and a white typeface. Like, that's it. Like, Yeah, and, and, it, and, and the one thing that that criticism I do think leaves out is that, like, the reason, like, it's not that Biden, you know, forgot <laughs> or was like, oh, it'll, be, it'll take too much work to write regulations for everything. It, it's that the donor class that runs the Democratic Party the same way uh-huh. that, you know, most of the same people run the Republican Party have been, you know, I'm sure calling with the phone off the hook to say, hey, we can't be going out there putting in all this red tape. It's going to throw we, we are just getting the economy back on track. If you start putting in new regulations, all these fragile businesses that barely made it through the pandemic aren't going to be able to survive. And so it's just, you know, that sort of stuff. And that immediately, that's all it takes. And they just abandon millions of workers. Wait, you're telling me that uh, the modern aristocracy slash donor classes contributions to the Democratic Party have not resulted in <laughs> absolute masterworks of government comparable to the great <laughs> art pieces of the you know, the Renaissance in Florence? You're telling me that that's not the case? Yeah, these, <laughs> John, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to believe it. These guidelines are going to save capitalism. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's the other thing is like they're like, we're going to institute guidelines. So they have to follow them. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what a guideline is. Yeah. <laughs> a guideline is like, please color inside the box. Like you still don't fucking have. That's the other thing. Like, it's completely toothless. Even if this, if it were enforced, would help healthcare workers. That's still not going to happen. Like that bare minimum yeah. shit is still not going to get met in practice. Yeah, and and this is just. I think like this is just another. In, in the it's in, it's it's in line with everything that the Biden administration has been doing because like this is just like when the CDC came out and just summarily dropped the mask mandate without right. explaining anything and leaving workers completely on the hook to become you know either like the mask police without any sort of authority behind them which just you know has led it means to they're going to get fired the, yeah or or worse like I, I there was a story I read the other day about. Uh, a cashier at a company who like just asked some guy to pull his mask up and he went out to his truck, got a gun and came back and shot them in the face. And like, yeah. I'm not like that perk guy is, you know, obviously, uh, fucking nuts. But like part of that is due to the way that the state is handling this because it's just said pandemic's over. And so if any worker tries to just be like, Hey, uh, I'm just trying to be safe here. They're subjected to, at best, you know, uh, they're abandoned by their employer 
And at worst, you know, face physical violence. And and, right. and this is just continuing that shit. Well, and yeah. that's like my fucking previous job, which was a during a not maybe not a worse part of the pandemic, but a, a perceived much worse part of the pandemic. And B was in, a valeting outside of a fucking emergency room where people would show up with COVID symptoms. I would ask people to please put on a mask or please wear their mask correctly. And they would lose their fucking mind at me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, you know, I don't care if you are like experiencing fucking cardiac arrest. If you also have COVID, like I'm not fucking catching it from you. Like, yeah. it's just basic self-preservation shit. And people yeah. really did lose their minds, you know? Right. Well, and, and if we need more evidence that, that COVID is not over and that there is still a very active like threat from not actually doing anything about this virus we can look to the uh indian pilots that are looking for Mm -hmm. uh compensation after one of their one of the pilots actually died from COVID 19 and others are consistently getting sick a huge number of them and 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 there's just not enough being done for these people to be protected. And this is, I and I, I want to preface this a little bit with one of the things that we've been trying to talk about a lot here on this podcast, which is the reason we cover these international topics is because we are intertwined with these workers. The, these, the, 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 these workers being protected means that there is additional protections elsewhere in the world. And when we see people fighting around the world for, for important work protections or different sorts of uh, things to benefit workers that benefits all of us all of our struggle is is tied together Um, and what could be a better example of the interconnectedness of struggle than airline pilots literally people who fly people long distances from one place to another and who are disproportionately at an increased risk i mean you think about the entire pandemic everybody's been talking about is it safe to fly how unsafe is it to fly like you know planes are a very very easy place to catch something that somebody else has and this isn't just affecting pilots this is also affecting the ground crews uh and air crews as well because of course they all work together yeah and 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 so like i'm sure like folks are aware that like uh, the the COVID pa- pandemic in India has recently, you know, been extremely extremely bad. Like they're they're coming down a bit from what I can tell from the the previous second wave, but it's been incredibly intense there. And and airline pilots, uh, especially for the, the national airline Air India, um, have been kind of have been you know one of the groups that's been really heavily affected by this, uh, partially because uh, during the first wave. Uh, like Air India was involved, in, uh, like many um, airlines, you know, around the world were with uh, repatriation flights. Like uh, as the pandemic hit right. and, and travel restrictions started to get put up, um, company uh, countries would start doing these repatriation flights so that folks who were abroad could could get back to their um, home countries. And they they mentioned in, in here that uh, about two thousand uh, Air India personnel. Um, and so this is just for the one airline. There are other, you know, airlines in India. So there are, there are surely higher numbers than this. Um, and nearly 2000 personnel took part in those repatriation flights and a sixth of them have tested positive for the coronavirus uh, leading, Damn. uh, and more than 500 have had to be hospitalized, which is incredible. Like that's, that's so, so many. And then 
the 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 work has continued during the second wave because uh, India has been importing like desperately um, things like oxygen concentrate uh, traders, you know, medicine supplies for uh, vaccine production, you know, raw materials and that and that sort of thing, and. and and so they've had people getting exposed during that. And since just February of this year, 13 pilots have died of COVID. Right. And this is on the heels of last November when uh, two different Indian pilots union, the Indian Commercial Pilots Association and the Indian Pilots Guild, said that Air India pilots were given a pay cut of up to 70% compared to the 10% pay cut for, uh, quote unquote, indifferent top management, which is like... 70% is, uh, that's outrageous. That's right. like, that's, I can't imagine my pay being cut 70%. What, like, and, what would I do? And what does the indifferent mean? Does that mean that if any of the people, the CEOs, like, no, I don't want to take a pay cut, they're just like, oh, okay. Well, that yeah, that means or no? they, they, they don't care, like, because, you know, their pay only got cut 10% or whatever. Because oh, you have they, to assume, they're like, the indifferent industry, about it. Right. The, the, the industry suffered horribly during COVID. Like you can't, there were, there were times when you just couldn't do flights, you know? Right. And, and the pilots mentioned um, that like they were technically, and this has of course been the defense from the, the airline tech that technically they were allowed to, to choose not to participate in the repatriation flights and choose not to make any money. Because that's the thing. It's like the, the, this is the classic capitalist choice of work or starve. It was like, we're not forcing you to, to, to do this work and, and expose yourself to the plague. You're welcome to instead not be able to support your family in any way. That's a totally viable other option, according to, again, right. the management that is then only giving themselves a 10% pay cut. And then crying poverty and, and cutting the pilots, even the ones that are working, by up to 70%. Yeah, which is fucking ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And apparently, you know, their vaccination rollout is quite behind. It only began in January with medical and frontline workers given priority. And some transport workers were categorized as frontline workers, but not pilots or air crew, which seems outrageous <laughs> to me. Like, I mean, it's the same thing you've seen here in the United States and elsewhere, where it's just like, who counts as a frontline or an emergency or a you know, necessary employee is just like completely wildly inconsistent and utterly politicized. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of employers were, were, were getting around it. And I, I want to give one example of, of, a, of a place in where I'm from is we actually had a people or like a business owner come to where we, the place where I work we sell like soaps and stuff like that and they wanted to carry our soaps so that they could get an ex an exemption from the the forcing to close because if they carry any sort of sanitary products that they could stay open wow what the fuck yeah that's, that's the wild. kind of shit that they go through they it, that's nuts. and and, it, and and i don't think it is nuts i think it's actually common i think it, i think that that's what a lot i mean if you just bought a, a box of hand sanitizer and put it on your shelf suddenly you were allowed to be open the fabric yeah. store or whatever where you know is allowed to be open because they sell you know a, one thing of sanitizer you know right yeah and 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 so like now that the the vaccine rollout in India has started to get going, and 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 most and a lot of the pilots have been able to get it. Um, what the the pilots unions are focusing on now is trying to get you know actual adequate both insurance 
for pilots, you know, actual protection so that if they do get sick, that mm-hmm. they're able to actually, you know, recover, that their family is taken care of, that, you know, folks aren't going to starve. Um, but in addition, also fighting for, uh, the, you know, the, the families and, 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 and dependents of, of their fellow pilots who unfortunately passed away due to this to actually get compensation for, you know, basically, you know, dying to, to make sure that these flights could, could keep going. And they, they point out that, that, uh, right. That so far, uh, for air India pilots who, who died of COVID, they've been given, their families have been provided with a, uh, one-time payment of $13,700. And that's supposed to, you know, that's make the, up for the loss. Yeah, of that's a the price member. tag on a, on a on a person's life, according to this this industry. That 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 if that was you, a pilot, your life is worth just under fourteen k. Your entire life. Yeah, and and so now the unions are are petitioning um, before the Mumbai High Court, uh, and this is because like uh, the, the Air India is a, a state run company, so. Uh, it, theoretically, um, although this you know has there's some issues with this under an, an ultimately capitalist um, regime uh, in in India, um, that theoretically it is supposed to be responsible for this sort of uh, regulation um, for its employees. But um, the petition, I, I thought had a, had a good quote here. They just said, no amount of monetary compensation can possibly act as a replacement for invaluable human life. But it is the government's duty to care for the families of pilots risking their personal safety, flying across the globe and in the bargain, dealing with the most deadliest of pathogens ever known to mankind. Which, like, I, I mean, like, there's a little, you know, emphasis there at the end, but I, they're absolutely right. Like, it's, it's, it's insulting, to tell like these families that that's, I mean, yeah, they're, like they said, there's no amount of money, but $14,000 and kick your ass out the door is disgusting. Yeah. yeah. And just a bald face, like, you know, uh, example of the way that uh, businesses and governments have been acting throughout the entire pandemic. Yeah. And speaking of being utterly yeah. bald on Ugh. the face about the way that yeah. you behave. Yeah, we're gonna talk about no evil foods or like, mo yeah. evil foods. At this point, it doesn't even—I don't even take any joy in making fun of them because it's like—it's just evil just, foods. They're just fucking yeah. It's just evil foods at this point, exactly. So they laid off all of their production employees on Friday. Lovely. More than a year after uh, they presented them with an ultimatum to either work through the pandemic or lose their jobs. So. And this is after uh, a huge union-busting campaign as well. Massive union-busting campaign that we reported on, that many other people reported on. There were good interviews uh, that you can, go, you can still go listen to with the employees uh, talking about the incredibly underhanded and you know, despicable tactics that Evil Foods was using. Uh, and I don't even know. This just feels like... They really, they really made their employees dig their own graves and then fucking shot them on this yeah, one. It's, it's just like fuck you at every turn. Definitely, it's it's just a giant go fuck yourself to anyone who has who wants to have any dignity. It's like oh well, I'm sorry. I bet there's still because of all of the hype or whatever because of the union stuff. You know, I think what we need to do is collective punishment, and that's exactly what yeah. this is. Yeah. This is collective punishment. Yeah, and. 
because they mentioned in here that at the beginning of the pandemic, they told their production workers, uh, okay, so there's a, there's, you know, a, a very dangerous global disease going on. And um, so we understand that you may have some worries about that. Uh, so we've come to tell you what your options are. You can continue to come to work. Um, or go and, fuck know, yourself. Risking getting sick. Uh, or you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. And that was, right. that was what they told them. And then... A year later, they still told everybody to go fuck themselves and fired everyone. So, like, I don't know. This fucking company, like, the, and this fucking quote from their, their co-founder, uh, Sadra Shadow, um, quote, We wish we could do even more, but if we did, our family-operated company would end. Good. There would be no jobs to return to for anyone. Yeah. yeah fuck your family. Uh, you know what we wish we could do even more means? They wish that they could not only fire all of these people, but bring in children workers to work for 725. Yeah. That's, what, that's what they mean by we wish we could do more. Yeah, and so, like, about they mentioned about thirteen percent of their workforce did take you know severance because they didn't want to like keep coming to work during the pandemic, but everybody else who then came through and and, and made these people every dollar that they've ever gotten out of this enterprise, and then they just you know toss them away. And it's, this is one of those things like I know boycotts like un, under a capitalist system like they have a relatively limited you know effect. But fuck this company. You don't ever buy anything from this company. Like these right. people are like the absolute worst kind of capitalists. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, what they, they put a smiling face. This is what I mean, I I've said this a couple of times regarding a couple of different people, but they just slap a smiley face sticker on on a on a gun that they shoot you with. Yeah. 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 Well, absolutely. and the fact that they this is the company that marketed themselves with like all kinds of like supposedly progressive and like, because they had, am I thinking of the right company? Yeah, they had like fucking Comrade Cluck. Yeah. And yep. uh, oh, like the yeah. weird Marxist messaging. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. they were supposed to be the cool ones. They were supposed to be like, they have like, yeah, they are using Marxist and revolutionary imagery and signifiers. And then they prove to be the worst possible <laughs> capitalists. Like, I don't know. The, yeah, the I, fuck them. I hate everything about this company, and I hope only bad things happens to it. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish all evil foods a very non-exist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Uh, We're going to lighten things up, though. Yeah. (laughs) We do have a couple of good stories to go go out on this week. And one here is is for a successful union drive in Colorado. Uh, Back on June 4th, the Jefferson County School Board in Colorado voted unanimously to recognize uh, a union organized by preschool teachers across the county, um, which now means that uh, 139 non-licensed professional teachers will now be represented by a pre-existing union, the Jeffco Education Support Professionals Association, which already represents uh, nearly 4,000 other workers. And this story, uh, this, is, this is out of um, Liberation News, this story I thought was, was was really good at at illustrating like organizational tactics under like really tough circumstances for like a bunch of different reasons because like this is this is coming out of organizing during the pandemic. These are employees that are are at will 
you know, prior to, to organizing. Uh, these are employees who are getting hit with new right, like um, requirements, professional requirements out of the blue, like after they've already been doing these jobs for a long time. And still they manage to come together and, and, and get their union done. Yeah, well, and, and not right. to mention the the constant attacks on public sector teachers uh, in trying to replace them with like charter schools and all that. I mean, we 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 could go on in on the history of why education is is basically precarity work in certain cases. Right. Um. But but I think that w- I, I we might have mentioned I, I I don't know if I heard us say it, but like one of the cool things about this story is that they voted unanimously, like. Right, one hundred percent of them voted for the union, which uh, is pre- is kind of unheard of. I know that we had the the ski the the ski patrol people that were like it was like one person voted against it or something like that. Right, but but it's just very rare. Uh, and yeah, I, means that they did really good job organizing. That means that they 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 actually went out and they reached every single worker. Yeah, so like. And, and this group of uh, of teachers um, who are referred to, I guess, uh, usually within, you know, the businesses, early childhood instructors or ECIs, because um, these are these are preschool teachers who until 2019 were not required to have a state teacher certification. But then, yeah, two years ago, that that new requirement was implemented. And then so, you know, since they're adding new requirements on top of a pre-existing job, the, the school district offered teachers assistance to get the certification. But then when the COVID crisis hit, they just said, oh, no, we don't have any money for that anymore. And so, like, if you have workers who have been told that, like, they're not, no longer qualified for their job that they've already been doing, and then you pull away the ability to get that certification, like... You're basically just ch- telling the workers, "Oh, we don't, we don't want to employ you anymore. <laughs> we, right. we, we're just, we're trying to force you out, so that that we can bring in, you know, a different kind of employee, an employee with less seniority who doesn't really understand what's going on that we think we yeah. can exploit." Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> right. and with with more certifications and less pay. Yes, exactly. Yes. And uh, I guess they're pretty fortunate because according to uh, um, Hannah Morrow uh, from the from the union, uh, the board policy is super clear and says that we don't even need uh, excuse me, I lost my place and says that we don't even need board members to approve us. And that if we have a majority of our work group who want a union, that we should be considered organized, which is like, I don't know how you got that into the board policy, but. <laughs> fuck yeah that fucking rocks that's sh- that should be how all union recognition works well and that's that's the other thing that i liked about, about this story because because they mentioned that the the the, the teacher that you mentioned uh, hannah mauro who um had started her had, was one of the people that like started this organizing effort and, and was mm-hmm. prompted to after in addition to you know all these new requirements being foisted on the, the teachers um <laughs> they were then summarily told that uh oh by the way um now all ECIs are also going to be taking on the role of substitute teachers across the county just adding oh, this great. whole additional job description um <laughs> that's why you get your job do- your conditions in writing yeah um and and so that led to a big response from from the teachers and and, and pushback that eventually 
resulted in, in, in the board backing off and not instituting that policy. And so like, see, I, I think you, you like, it, it's pretty clear that like seeing the effectiveness of just that collective anger that isn't like even organized necessarily, uh, was like one of those things that led to a more formalized organizing effort. And so like, uh, like you're saying, Lena, like, uh, she reached out and got like the, the 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 mailing list for everybody so that she could get in touch with every one of these teachers and 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 try and get every signature because while they had that policy that says that the the board is supposed to recognize the cards even without an election as we've seen in so many cases you have these you know supposedly liberal suppose I mean they are liberal but what they when they think liberal means left um, right like the the these these you know like all Democrat bodies that talk about how pro-labor they are and put in policies like that, but then try as much as possible not to follow any of those rules. Uh, because even though the board is technically just supposed to say, oh, you have the cards, there you go, union, done. Right. They refuse to acknowledge um, the signed union cards. <laughs> And according to Morrow said that, quote, one of the responses we got from the district was that it's possible that we didn't understand what we were signing, which was a huge <laughs> slap in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the, the kind of uh, condescension that goes on from these elitist pricks who think that they are so smart that, oh, I mean, the workers couldn't possibly know what's good for them. Uh, there's there's literally no way that these people are smart. These teachers are idiots. These te- that's what they're saying. They're saying, oh, these these teachers that are taking care of children are just dumb, and 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 how uh, fucking frustrating that is because it happens at every turn. It's not. It's literally every single time. That's why they bring in union busters and shit because they're. My my cat is knocking stuff off the table to get my attention. Uh, but but th- that's what they do. They they bring in union union busters because they're just like, oh, these people clearly don't know what what a union is or why they shouldn't have one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's I'm just sorry, watching. It's very my- funny to watch <laughs> Maru knocking everything off the table behind you. Yeah, I'm gonna but- quick open my door. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's. It's just so ridiculous because because that's the thing is that you you run into these these people that are involved in, in this sort of I feel like a school board is a very illustrative um, type of American suburban like small amounts of power psychosis where like you know the the the, the tyranny of of, of, of of like a small amount of power. Um, because you'll get again, like all these like high-minded statements. Oh, we totally, we we will definitely support your union. And then when push comes to shove, they're like, oh well, I don't know. I don't think you folks really know what's best for you. Why don't you just listen to us? You don't need a union. This is and this is like the. I mean, it's it's truly anti-democratic. Like the, then these yeah. people really, no matter how much they want to say, oh, I'm a great believer in democracy uh really what they're saying is i'm a great believer in american bourgeois democracy i'm the bourgeois it's my democracy right yeah and uh and but the great thing is is that like they the 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 teachers called their bluff at like every turn they're like fine you want us to have an election we'll have an election we'll have an election so good nobody will fucking vote against it (laughs) 
And so like every vote that they got was in favor of the union. And, and so that basically, you know, forced the school board's hand. Cause that's the thing that, that immediately the, they get this election, they see that the union is clearly united and so the, the board rushes to do damage control by unanimously voting, oh, no, we were in favor of this the whole time. Right. We're, we're all friends, folks. <laughs> and, and so now, now, now the workers have their union, and, and, and folks are, they, they mentioned in there, they're, they're working on their, basically their stuff they're going to be they're negotiating to improve there. Currently, they mentioned that the starting wage for, for non-licensed preschool teachers is twelve fifty an hour. While at the same time, the district superintendent is making $125 an hour. Jesus Christ. Like, look, uh, I'm not necessarily one to say that every wage should immediately be exactly the same. But A, $12.50 an hour isn't enough for any job in this country. Right. Much less a job where you are taking care of kids. Yeah. Well, and obviously, again, we could go over the many like trials and tribulations of being a teacher, but these are also people who are not given the resources they need to do their job consistently. There are, I don't know yeah. of any school where, where, where teachers themselves are not subject to purchasing uh, resources for, the, for their, their classrooms. Um, and, and I mean... With twelve fifty an hour, you can barely even pay for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 to that point, they 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 they've said in here that that like the the amount of money that that teachers have been getting in this district for for supplies for their classrooms has been dwindling year in and year out. And and they said that uh, oftentimes, like you, exactly what you said, that that uh, these these folks are paying sometimes a hundred and fifty a month from their own paychecks just to stock the classroom. Oh right. yeah, <laughs> actually, I, I didn't even uh, notice that that was the next line. I just wanted yeah. <laughs> to point out something that literally happens every single time. I don't, e- I don't even need to read it. I know that it exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, and think about it. Like, that- you know, who should be bearing that fucking burden? Someone who makes that in a day and a half or two days, or somebody who makes that in an hour, a fucking hour. Right. That's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. So. It fucking rules that that these folks like you know identified how much they were being exploited, and, and banded together to basically tell the school board, you know, we're not gonna fucking take this anymore. And now they've got their union, and and now they can they can fight to improve those conditions, and that kicks ass. Yeah, well, and with <laughs> the yeah. unanimous vote, I'm we're really hoping that they get some good actions. I I have a feeling we're gonna be following up on this one in the future. Yeah, but uh, we can move to our last story of the show, where we're actually going to be covering a little bit more international news and specifically good news that uh, Argentina has passed a bill to protect trans people in the workforce, along with uh, a mandate of a certain percentage of representation in uh, in the in the, the what the state workforce, right? Yeah, yeah. Any any public ministries state-owned companies um, will now be required uh, based on uh, a bill that advanced um, last Friday uh, in Argentina's uh, lower legislative chamber, and it is now going... I I was looking at this a little bit today. It's going through the upper house, but it's expected to pass, so this is going to become law. Okay. Um, And and so this is a... uh, a labor inclusion bill is, is basically how uh, it's, I've seen it. Uh, I think the colloquial term here that we'd be more familiar with would be affirmative action, though obviously 
thanks to America's incredibly toxic uh, uh, media, that that term has you know a ton of baggage with it. Right. But um, yeah, like 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 you were saying, like this this bill uh, is essentially writing into the regulations an understanding of the existing you know uh, structural oppression that that LGBTQ folks face and 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 especially and this is focusing on, on like especially like the high levels of discrimination and violence uh faced by trans folks and 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 one of the things that i, I did think was 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 kind of i mean i know it's it's a reform and it's a like it's a law it's not you know necessarily revolutionary but the fact that it's like they named it after a couple of like uh the most prominent like trans activists in in uh argentina including one who was horrifically murdered a few years ago and so like obviously it's awful that like we have to be memorializing a person like that like like this but to see a country actually you know identify that there is a huge crisis of of violence and discrimination against a segment of the population and then you know move to actually make a structural change to try and address that certainly you know, replacing capitalist oppression with a socialist state would be a, a, a bigger advance. Yeah. But to actually see, you know, real measures taken to make sure that trans folks are able to, you know, get jobs that they're not discriminated against in the workforce and that uh, additionally, like these state uh, uh, companies have to work to not just hire people and technically keep them on the rule book, but, but also work actively to promote inclusion and, and fight, you know, discrimination within the workforce and, and, and try and combat, you know, acknowledge and then fight back against existing, you know, prejudicial attitudes. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and this is part of how that sort of thing is, you know, it like, like I said, it, this is a reform, but it is one of the ways that you actually get people to understand is by making sure that they have to engage with the working class, with LGBTQ people, with, with trans people, with, with people of color, with all of, like, you put them in these spaces because you need people to realize these are people. Like right. the, right. the systemic oppressions basically say that they're not. And, and, and unless you actively make an effort to put these people forward, then it's not you're not going to actually make a dent in any sort of like public opinion or anything like that, because you're not actually doing anything to put those people out and show that like these are people and they deserve dignity. It's it's incredibly important that and, and I mean, like. This could be kind of a, a little bit of a, a watered-down bill or whatever, but, I mean, the, the fact that it is, like, happening and there and it's going to pass and there's, like, good... There's actually good pieces in it to raise up the rights of disenfranchised people is important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, and I think you can, like, contrast it with the sort of, you know, like, way that the liberals in, in our in our country... Uh, deal with you know representation where their version of we we will help marginalized groups by increasing representation but when they say that like they're like we will take one person and put them in a position of marginal power or we'll make sure that our donations go to a you know an organization or something like that Um, right and whereas this is actually saying like no, it's like you actually do this by trying to help like this in- entire group of people. Right. Like by, by trying to address at like the core, 
like the problem that you're actually trying to solve here, which is in this case, you know, oppression of trans people, instead of just making an empty gesture at it or, you know, like, like any of the incredibly cringe shit that the Democrats do to try and say that they're helping oppressed groups while not actually changing anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, speaking of not changing anything, we're going <laughs> to oh. go at the end of the episode right into the meme review. That's right. Here That's we right. are, folks. It's <laughs> the meme a, review. That it's segue time to have is a weird. chuckle. I feel, yeah. I feel weird about that segue now. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I like it. Uh, this first one is is just like a, an old um, like military poster that has been repurposed as like a, almost a comic book panel, but with like... Right. I don't know. It's still it's still like a poster, um, and yeah, it's this. I think it's yeah. I think it's from one of those like World War II propaganda era posters mm-hmm. where they're like, uh, like you know, the loose lip sink ships and like right. that, yeah. that, that sort well, of thing. And this is a uh, this is a woman, uh, probably a server or something like that, or maybe just an, a, a woman who's who's there at the bar or whatever. But uh, talking to these these like uniformed men and. Uh, and it's uh, the, the the top thing above her. It says, "Look out for that dame at the bar." And uh, I guess the the then the the bottom caption. You're supposed to immediately. Your eyes are supposed to go to his critical race theory. So obviously, this is a this is a you're scared that this is right wing propaganda. But then uh, it's uh, her her speech bubbles are, "Hey boys, want to go back to my place?" Dot dot dot. And then a speech bubble on the other side. And learn about America's complex, troubled history of systemic racism. I have weed. And then the, one of the guys is like, yes, please. And then the second person is, can I bring my Xbox? Yeah. I, <laughs> King. It's like, that's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like could this. Be teaching, it's, it's... Yeah, let me look. Uh, she, she could be trying to teach you critical race theory or smoke weed. Honestly, either way, that sounds pretty fucking good. Yeah, I mean, that's the it's pretty good and it's a good meme. I'm of two minds about the whole critical race theory discussion that's been going on because, like, obviously, yeah. we should teach kids about like the history of racism and like how it's systemic and shit. But I also kind I, of don't trust the idea that like the modern American school system is going to handle that properly. And as sometimes I feel like getting riled up about whether or not it should be taught in schools has been like substituted for the conversation of whether or not we should eliminate the police. Um, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have a problem with critical race theory, but I, I do. I think I have a problem with the way the conversation is handled. It's academic. Well, so that it's, it's an academic thing. My, my whole thing with it is just, uh, which is, this is exactly what people, uh, want to hear me talk about is my thoughts on critical race theory. <laughs> yeah. but is that like this is just it's another the term is just another right wing shibboleth like yeah it's 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 a, something like cancel culture or woke mm-hmm. because the whole thing is they trap you into an hour long argument over defining what it is and that is entirely a waste of time and and so that's why I'm just like don't even fucking use the word just yeah. say do you think that we should teach kids about the horrifying racist shit that the United States has done its entire existence and continues to do, or should we teach them a bullshit like uh, George Washington is great patriotic version, right? Yeah, Thomas well, and Jefferson, it's like, greatest man ever. 
it's it's also like it, I don't know if this is intentional yeah. or not, but it's so poorly branded. Like critical race yeah. theory. Like you're really I, gonna put the words race the theory in your progressive politics. Right. Like I just say like teach kids about racism and like I, power and well, systemic. This is oppression. the thing. Hold on. If I if I can, it's like I don't even think I I don't even believe that this is kind of real. I don't think critical race theory is a thing. I like I've I've been like studying the like, way that- like like revolutionary ideology for a while and that is something that is those words those three words in that order have never come up i i it feels really like like you said just like some sort of made up buzzword in order to to change the the dis- discussion into some no. sort of well it's a real th- definition yeah, it's a thing. real thing but it's a real thing but i think it comes from like a a weird byzantine like academic place like i think it was something that only people in certain academic circles really talked about until recently and that's a bad place to source your your supposedly progressive politics from like the reason black lives matter was such an important and profound statement ideologically and as a popular front was because it came from people who were just living their lives they were like on the ground they were their lived experiences informed that and you know critical race theory is it's more anodyne it's more um it, it's something that can be debated on cnn right like it's not something yeah, where well, everybody where it's actually making the the media class panic about how to handle this it, it's it's the right's new cultural marxism it's the exactly. new term they're using yeah. for that as a stand-in that's it's it's this is the thing with them they just recycle the same campaign over and over again yeah. right because the media falls for it every i mean falls for it in quotes or is, is it, complicit you know. in it yeah exactly <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah but anyways learning about structural racism playing xbox and smoking weed you know is dragging. important Yes. I yeah, it, this is this is the the three important, you know, foundations of 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 a good education. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to you got to get class analysis in there and then you're all set. You're a well-rounded human yeah. being now. Um. Yeah. And then I, our next one is also about uh foundations. Uh this one is a actually just a headline of of uh of an onion article. And in a and a picture of some American flags, but it's U.S. flag recalled after causing 143 million deaths. And this, <laughs> yeah. I, we I think we talked about this in uh, in chat the other evening, um, in in the beep beep chat. But um, just this this headline got people mad. Like people yeah. people yeah. were very upset about this because people were like wait, but but communism or some <laughs> shit like that, yeah, yeah. and just like. Sorry, I don't don't want to <laughs> burst your bubble, except for I definitely do. Yeah, can I interest you in the death toll of capitalism and a little book <laughs> called U.S. Jail Archipelago? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you can check out uh, my recent overtime episode for some of just a, a small selection of the the U.S.'s uh, foreign adventures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But I just love that headline. That headline yeah. just it's absolutely, absolutely rips. Um, this this next one is actually just a photo of a cheetah, like with a with its hand on the back of a fawn, like a little deer, and or or some some sort of animal like that. And and the t- and the caption on this one is when an employer starts acting like they care about your mental health. This is that that little deer is going into the Amazon booth, which is that lep- that leopard's mouth. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this is very much in the same vein as you know the the, the King of the Hill screen cap uh, for where Peggy's like, look, that bird is carrying that rabbit to safety. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we because I mean, we talked about like all the tech workers who have mentioned it's like when when the boss starts acting concerned about about your mental health, like they actually care about you, they are covering for doing some bad shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, our next one uh, is is really fucking funny. Actually, I love this. <laughs> it's uh, it's two guys. They look like I don't know Roman legionnaires or something, standing over a battlefield of a, a bunch of seemingly dead soldiers. And one says to the other, he says, "How do we know the bosses are dead and not pretending?" And the other dude just shouts, "We're forming a union!" <laughs> and you see all of the little. Uh, supposedly dead soldiers like struggling back to life and they're like we can't afford it but we're like a family dues are expensive why a third party and then the 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 initial two guys are just walking around you know finishing them double (laughs) double tapping yeah yeah double tapping of like i i like this i love this comic it's 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 so good. I, I, I do. I did kind of, I'm like, man, I just want to put like a semi-transparent, like picture of Mao clapping in the background. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, and, and then speaking of socialism, I think this last one is, is one of my favorites that hit our discord recently, which is, uh, I'm not, it's from some like X man, uh, like t- TV program or something like oh. that, but there's, is that, what is it? Do you know? What does this mean from? Because, John, I think because you've seen this. I've, at least I've seen this format used, and I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I've like definitely. You're on Twitter a lot more than me. I've seen this meme a bunch of times before, but uh, since I purposely avoid knowing anything about superheroes, I have no fucking idea what yeah. animation well, this is for. Any, anyway, in the background, there's some. All, jet all of our listeners will cringe at that part because uh, yeah. <laughs> none of us know what this is from. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, there's some jet planes in the background, and they're they're captured or they're they're tagged as employee employers offering quote unquote benefits. And then the the guy who is looking at uh, the he's looking at the planes in that photo. And then in the second photo, the guy is labeled socialism, and he says, "Look what they need to mimic a fraction of our power." In like saying that like. You know, obviously, socialism will actually provide real, sustainable help for people, and not some some like benefits program, a benefits package that they're gonna make regressive over time. You know, oh, this is a good reuse of a meme format that uh, up until now I've mostly seen used to express incredibly bad opinions. So (laughs) it's nice to see it, uh, you know, used for good, etc. Yeah, I I mean, because that's the thing is you you get we get trapped under capitalism in, in, in bickering about, oh, is the new bill proposed for the portable benefits package for gig workers? You know, is it covering quite enough when like the whole fact that any of this stuff isn't just provided as part of the state is is completely ludicrous? Yeah. yeah. And yet we, we end up trapped into you know fighting over scraps. Well, we certainly don't have to. Right. Well, that's the episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. And if you'd like to help us out more, become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. We're entirely listener supported. We actually have moved to doing all of these public episodes in order to you know, make sure that this news is getting out, out there, as well as we are doing our overtime episodes like Dan's one where he just did the AFL-CIA. You can also go back and listen to the first one, which was on Detroit, I Do Mind Dying, um, which is super good as well. Uh, 
if you want to help us out, make sure to give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow John on Twitter at Facebook Villain, me at Solidarity B. Uh, listen to Beep Beep Lettuce and Red Game Table, and we will see you next week. Remember, labor peace is not in our interest. That's right. Solidarity, solidarity forever. Solidarity. Let's <laughs> go.